you may think this conflict is about Israel and Hamas, but God has you in mind all through it. This conflict, like the pandemic, is continuing to expose our hearts, our values, and our core beliefs. While it's not too late for anyone to side with God, situations like this seem to continue to separate, polarize, and harden us to one side or the other. And the question really is, where do you stand on such issues and situations? Now, as we get into this, I want you to legitly be prayerful. I want you to be asking God to help you to understand what's going on. So something as simple as God help me to understand what's going on. I can do my part, but you have to do your part and allow God to do his part. But with that, let's jump into the two articles I wanted to bring up in order to drive some points home on where we're at on God's timeline. Now, I'm sure or I would imagine that you've heard about this news report where there were at least 40 babies killed. And I just kind of wanted to breeze through this. This is the Times of Israel. So this is coming from a news source over there in the situation. It's hopefully not filtered too much through mainstream media um, or mainstream media lens. But just kind of the point, and I've seen the videos of this as well, and it is very heartbreaking. If you have ever been in a situation where you've seen carnage and devastation like this, which I unfortunately have when I served in the military in the United States Navy, I've seen situations of people just whole families devastated, villages devastated. And so just kind of reading this, it was very heartbreaking. And it's I'm trying to even hold it together even now, just kind of talking about it, kind of flashbacks a little bit. But it says at least 40 babies killed foreign reporters taken to massacre site in Kafar Aza with terrorist bodies still lying in the grass. International press witnesses firsthand the shocking aftermath of Hamas's slaughter of Israeli civilians. And I'm going to have some, hopefully I'll remember all my talking points. I do have points set up, but some other points that come up as I'm talking about this. But let's continue on. And you can see, unfortunately, the body bags here, whether they are of civilians or the terrorists themselves. It says the IDF took dozens of foreign journalists on Tuesday to see for themselves the death and destruction wrought by Hamas's terrorists this week. With explosions and artillery fire in the background, the crews wearing helmets and flak jackets picked through the destroyed kibbutz Kafar Azah where the bodies of Palestinian terrorists still lay outside of the fire-scarred homes. The journalists were protected by at least a company of IDF soldiers clad in full combat gear as they continued to clear homes. Reporters spoke of the stench of death in the air. Still, the pastoral simplicity of the kibbutz with its lawns and one-story homes was evident, further underscoring how jarring were the atrocities that took place only days before. And so I will leave a link to this. And, but like I said, you can find this all over the internet. You can find videos. You can find articles. There's There are some looming questions in regards to how did uh, the Israeli intelligence community allow this to happen? Uh, and much like, unfortunately, here in, 
in Western society and specifically in America where they don't want to talk, they don't even talk or mention for whatever the reasons is. There are conspiracy theories seem to be uh, pretty close on a lot of times. And there's the God aspect of it as well. And we can talk about that just in case you want to understand it. And I'll link a video as well down below if you're watching on YouTube or wherever you can link out to YouTube. But you can check out my video, uh, my channel, Foundation Bible Studies on YouTube. And I will have a link to a pertinent video down below in the description. And so when we look at this, just the killing of the babies, uh, hope there's a talking point I want to come back to and prayerfully I will come back to it. And so we want to go to another article uh, that kind of gives a 180 view of this because we as much as possible want to have both sides of the story. And yet we want to talk about things that are not being talked about. Mainstream media will play certain things up and then they will not talk about things that they don't want you to know about. This is a bit frustrating, a bit heartbreaking because you are cheering the massacre of people. And I'm going to make sure this hopefully drives home and it's going to anger some people probably this might trigger you. So if you want to, if this video gets banned on YouTube, you can check it out on X, aka Twitter. I'll post it some other places, but at least I know on X is probably not going to get banned. And so continuing on. You see the picture if you're watching the video, it says justice for Palestine. I definitely want the Palestinian people, the civilians that are non-aggressive to have what's needed, but their government has failed them, is failing them. The government, the Palestinian government and the Gaza Strip has a history of not taking care of their people. For all the aid that they get, they just reinvest it into, they don't take care of their infrastructure, anything like that. Continuing on, it says, Illustrative Harvard University student displaying a pro-Palestinian sign at their May 2022 graduation ceremony. Across the U.S., dozens of college student groups declared solidarity with Hamas on Sunday, cheering the Palestinian terror group one day after, in, after it invaded Israel from its enclave in Gaza, Gaza and murdered hundreds of Israelis and took dozens more captive in a shocking surprise attack. Scenes of Hamas terrorists abducting children and desecrating dead bodies have circulated worldwide and invoked global outrage. However, several chapters of Students for Justice in Palestine at such places as Brown University, University of Maryland, Tufts University, and UCLA have described the attacks as a form of resistance, demanding others accept our right to liberate our homeland by any means necessary. Now, I'll, I don't want to keep reading too much into this because we could be reading this stuff for days. But just going back to the top, one of the things I, I like to tell people, I like to talk about as the Lord has helped me to understand it over the years is, yes, you have God's commandments, especially uh, for us Christians, you have the Old Covenant commandments, and then you have the New Covenant commandments, which are complementary at times and some places. And so I have a bachelor's of psychology 
um, as well as I am a licensed mental health care worker here in the state of California. And so when you look at the old covenant commandments versus new covenant and where they cross over and blend together, the way that I would say the Lord has helped me to see it is old covenant deals all totally with behavior. It's like a child, a young child. You just give them hard black and white lines, black and white instructions, black and white commandments. And then as they get older, you start helping them to understand the abstract. So, for example, in Matthew's gospel, he talks about how Jesus said, you have heard it said you shall not commit adultery. Hard line, black and white, don't do this. And then in the new covenant, Jesus says, under the new covenant, he says, but I say to you, don't even look at a woman to lust after her. For if you've lusted after her, you've committed adultery already in your heart, abstract, unseen, metaphysical, so to say, principle. So the entertaining of lusting after a woman, regardless of what whatever how she's dressed, the entertaining of that is where you get to adultery or just even lusting after her, the thoughts of gratifying yourself even in your mind after that woman. The woman has her own responsibility in this situation if she's immodestly dressed. But that's a whole different topic. The point being behavior versus principle, uh, behavior versus cognitivism, aka motivations and things like that. And so when we look at this cheering of death, when we look at this cheering of the massacre, the cheering on of the massacre of these innocent individuals, and we look at things like Roe v. Wade, it may be different on the surface, but in principle, it's the same thing. We cheer and we put in laws and enact laws that support the killing of individuals. We cheer, we support it. There are people that celebrate their abortions and things like that. And I pray that you would allow God to touch your heart to see how horrible of a thing partaking the an innocent human life that you didn't give it a choice. The point being here is there's more to the situation than meets the eye. So here we see with Hamas, they are celebrating. You have people here in America celebrating the the killing, the massacre of children. When we read about the, the beheading of babies and the cheering of that, it's the same thing. And this goes so this goes to ideology and this goes to the spirits, the supernatural beings behind these ideologies, the massacring of innocent people. That's why you can have people over here in America supporting it because 2020, 2021, 2022, you had people killing people and you had governments that kept their mouth shut. You had people that didn't say anything that held nobody responsible it's the same thing different on the surface but it's the same thing i was hoping that i could tie this in in a way that this goes back to valuing life over valuing death uh, this goes back to which side are we on what values do we hold and as i said you know if you don't know you can go back and look at my little short pictorial summary testimony of myself and what God has done in my life, where he has brought me from. He brought me from the streets. He brought me from cliques and gang affiliated cliques and, and all the, and just my whole background. 
of growing up with gang members, growing up under people that were hand in hand in gangs, were in gangs and and different things and sold drugs and went to prison. That was our lifestyle. I know all about it. I know about when you deaden your conscience and you don't care about the other person's life. I know about it. But then I know what it is for God to begin to change the way you understand and help you to see life from a totally different perspective. And so I know what God can do. And if you are on that side right now or you're on the fence and you're not sure, let me tell you, ask God to help you to understand. Ask Jesus Christ to help you to understand because Jesus Christ is our creator himself who made himself visible in a human life in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, as we look at this from a biblical historical perspective, as God delivered the nation of Israel from being enslaved to the nation of Egypt, there were peoples, nations, people groups that were already living in the land that God had previously promised to the man Abram, who God later renamed Abraham. And God told Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. Now, there's a video I am going to make uh, talking about why, in part, why God gave him the land. And it will kind of broaden your perspective of kind of the whole scenario. But when God brings Israel into the land or is preparing to bring him into the land, when you go back to the book of Leviticus, chapters 17 through 20, God lays out what all the people that are already in the land, their practices, their religious practices, their values. They were just having crazy out-of-pocket sexual relationships. They were murdering their children. There was no justice. There was just all this craziness. There was being in such a state of defect and in such a dark place. God sent Abraham to this land to be his witness to the people. And then he blessed him with his son, Isaac. And then Isaac with Esau and Jacob. And Jacob had his 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel, from which we get the modern day nation of Israel. And so when you get to this place in the book of Numbers, God is preparing the people for entry into the promised land. As I mentioned, he previously tried to be a witness to the people in the land, which were made up of different tribes from uh, predominantly a group called the Canaanites, because they would not turn away from their debauchery and their wickedness and their sexual immorality, their sexual depravity and things like that, because they would not turn away from those things and they just continue to embrace them. God says, I have to bring judgment. You're not taking the warnings. Uh, you're not paying attention to my messengers, my representatives. And so just like when we get cancer, you don't allow cancer to continue to live in your body if you don't have to. Now, if it's far too gone, if it's too far gone, then yeah, unfortunately, it will take us out. And that's what sin does. When we allow, when we enable sin individually, when we enable sin societally, that's what happens. Now, as they get Israel gets ready as a nation now, after they've been enslaved for 400 plus years, God is about to bring them into the promised land. And I will tie this in as to impart why Israel's having these problems. And it says in chapter 33 of the book of Numbers, verses 50 through 53, the Lord spoke to Moses 
Moses is not writing. He's not making up stuff. He knows how to talk with God just as much as all these other spiritualists, the psychics, the Wiccans, the mediums, the Satanists, just as much they know how to get in contact with their deity. So do so should God's people know how to listen, know, and be obedient to God's voice. And so it says, the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan River. We talked about the West Bank and things like that. It is the West Bank of the Jordan River by the Jordan across from Jericho. Tell the Israelites when you cross the Jordan into the inhabitants, and I'm going to make a point. You must drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you destroy all their stone images, all the representations of their gods and cast images and demolish all their high places. Now that some of these things, we may bring up questions. You can put them in the comments and uh, those are videos that we can get to and kind of break these things down. You are to take possession of the land and settle in it because I have given it to you. God, our creator, the one who created this world, this planet that we live on, the one who created your eyes, your ears, your five senses, your six senses, if you are born again of God's spirit, that spirit of discernment or whatever spiritual gift is given you, but that spirit of discernment by his spirit, the one who created the things that are around you, he told the nation of Israel, I'm giving you this land to possess. I made a promise to your forefather, Abraham, and I'm about to fulfill the promise. And so he says, as you go in, you need to drive out the inhabitants because of all the debauchery. Go back to Leviticus chapter 17 through 20, and you can see all the debauchery that they were partaking of. They were just in such a pit that they they that even with the help God was trying to give them through Abraham and his descendants, they were not willing to climb out of it. Verse 55, it says, and this is going back to the Palestinian point. But if you don't drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, those you allow to remain will become thorns in your eyes and in your sides. They will harass you in the land where you live. And so when the nation of Israel, when they were coming out of exile from being exiled out of the land for almost 2,000 years. After the Holocaust, the, the world government, the, the international community, they were trying to find a homeland for the Jewish people because they had been wandering for 1,700 plus years ever since they were kicked out the land by the Roman emperor Titus, uh, who became the Roman emperor. And so ever since then, they have been wondering. That's why you find pockets of Jews throughout all the world. They rebelled against God and rejecting Jesus of Nazareth, of Nazareth as their as the Messiah, as their promised Messiah, as told through Moses. But even then, we find that God through the Apostle Paul, He says, "Show them mercy, show them compassion. In your compassion, they will be shown compassion." And just as much as God has shown us who are not of Jewish descent or we are not of full-blooded Jewish descent, whatever status you're in, in that regard, he said, just as God has shown you mercy, shown you compassion, show them compassion. And you can find that in the book of Romans, the letter to the Roman believers, uh, believe in chapters 9 through 11. And so here we find that when God allows them to come back into the land after the Holocaust, 
we find that the world community, the international community, was trying to make this two-state solution between the Jews and the Palestinians, who I, if I understand it correctly, they were under uh, Jordan at the time. And the Jordanian side, the Arab side, the Muslim side, totally rejected out of hand this two-state solution. And so the Jews, however, were like, yeah, we're all for it. Just give us a place to go. We'll take it. And it was right back in the land God had promised. And so little by little, the Arabs, the Muslims, they continue to reject any and all diplomatic attempts to give them a solid stretch of the land and a good solid place to live in. Whereas the Jews just took what they could get. The Muslims kept rejecting it. And part of that just goes back to the belief system. Part of it goes back to what they are taught in the Quran. They are taught that the Jews and the Christians, they, especially when you get into the later chapters or surahs that were later revealed to uh, Muhammad, you find that they are told to persecute the unbelievers. Earlier on, the angel, the quote unquote angel Gabriel that was revealing this stuff to Muhammad, they had a more positive relationship toward Jews, toward Christians until they became kind of more of a dominating force. More people began to uh, become Muslims. And so when Israel is allowed to, the Jewish people are allowed to come back into the land in 19, leading up to 1948, where they declared their independence, uh, you have the Muslim people just totally rejecting any and all peace plans. And it's just been this consistent cycle ever since then. That's why over the centuries, if you go back, the nation of Israel has tried to concede land uh, to give land for peace, and it hasn't worked because the ideology. Let me tie this in for us Americans. We tolerated, we've been preached to be tolerant, be tolerant, be tolerant, be tolerant of the differences. But then once the toler the side that was being tolerated became dominant, what has happened? Our voices have been shut. We have been censored. We have been canceled. And it's the same principle over and over. Why is that? It's because it's so much bigger and yet deeper than what we see on the surface. It's about the, the ideologies and the beings. Let me drive that point home because it's bigger than just some black and white words on a page. It's about the beings, the supernatural beings. If you have not encountered God or if you have encountered something supernatural, share it down below, share it with me and share, share what you have experienced, good or bad. And but it's because of the beings behind it. Now, I have a video talking about the origin of Lucifer, the origin of Satan. I will link that down below to kind of give you an understanding of both sides of where both sides originate, good and evil, things like that. And did God create the devil? But. It's because of the beings behind the ideologies. This is why most of the pagan world, anybody outside of Judaism, Christianity, can they can unify because their side is, is unified. There's so many similarities between so many of the different religions. It's because that those beings inspired and started those religions. Joseph Smith. He had a vision of the angel Moroni or Moroni. Muhammad, he had an encounter with this angel that claimed to be 
Gabriel, but the Gabriel of Islam acted totally different from the Gabriel of the Old Testament, the Tanakh, and the New Testament. Totally different. The Gabriel of the Old Testament, the Gabriel of the New Testament, you see their consistent behavior and demeanor. There are supernatural beings. You want to know if God is real? Connect with God on that level. Allow God to connect with you on that level. So that is kind of in a just the historical aspects of this conflict. There are plenty of things I'm sure on YouTube, on the internet, you can look up the, the historical videos or podcasts about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the independence of Israel and how they became a nation again in 1948 uh, following the massacre of the Holocaust, which ironically there were the Nazis had ties to Islamists and to the Muslim world. Ironically, kind of unfortunately unsurprising, but not to say that all Muslims are like that. I know all Muslims are not like that. So not to make everybody sound bad. I know I'm painting with a very broad brush, brush probably a a paint roller, but not everybody's like that. Not all Christians are horrible, but not all Christians are doing the right thing either. So you find that in every group, you have people that are sincere and in their wrong and they're sincerely wrong. And then you have people that are sincere. They're trying to do the best they can. And yet you want to be where God wants you to be. Ask God to reveal himself, ask Jesus Christ to reveal himself to you. He said that he would reveal himself to us. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and the door, the opportunity will be opened to you. So what is this all leading up to? God told us the signs, the symptoms of the last days. When you are coughing and you're sneezing or you're feeling nauseated, those are signs and symptoms, indicators that something is wrong. Things that we're seeing are indicators, signs right before our eyes that something is going on under the surface, something's wrong, something's out of place, the societal division, something's wrong. So one place we want to go is to the writings of the prophet Zechariah. And this is more brief. All these deserve kind of their own videos, topical videos. But the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, Hashem, Adonai, however you address the Lord, we as Christians realize or prayerfully we realize prayerfully we have allowed the Lord to help us to understand supernaturally that the God of Israel revealed himself, made himself visible, tabernacled among us, lived among us in the person of Jesus Christ. But in the 14th chapter of the writing of the prophet Zechariah, we're given a prophecy about the end times and about Jerusalem, the land of Israel. It says, a day of the Lord is coming when your plunder will be divided in your presence. So there's still a battle coming where Israel is, is going to be decimated, unfortunately. As I said, that's a topical video for another time. I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem for battle. The city will be captured. The house is looted. And this is not God saying He's going to cause all this stuff to happen. He will gather all the nations, but individuals have choices. So when we see the massacring of children, when we see the massacring of families, when we see the abuse of children, of one-year-olds, of elderly Holocaust survivors and things like that, people have choices. 
But now we get to see where all this comes into play because of the ideologies, because of the values of people. The city will be captured, the houses looted, and the women raped because of the values of people. We can see the barbarism, how barbaric people are, how deep the hatred goes, why this will happen. This is it's interesting how the how God's word comes to life is coming to life. It's it's going from being on the page to being in front of our eyes. Half the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be removed from the city. Then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he fights on the day of battle. Jesus is going to come back. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. The Mount of Olives will be split in half from east to west, forming a huge valley so that half the mountain will move to the north and half to the south. You will flee by my mountain valley, for the valley of the mountains will extend to Azal. You will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones, or another translation, and all the saints with him. So God tells us we're seeing the the build up to this time. We're seeing if if you know the the geopolitics, the world politics, Hamas is backed by Iran. Iran is backed by both China and Russia. And I I need to be on top of these videos to kind of break these down so that way you are aware but you can also share. Don't just be aware but also share. Take this back listen to it get a get an electronic bible on your phone or on your tablet listen to an audio bible if you can't read and or ask the lord to help you to learn how to read i know people that the lord has done that for and learn this stuff share it be the messenger make sure that you are born again of the water and spirit baptized in jesus name and experientially filled with his Holy Spirit. I probably have a video on it. I'll link it down below if I do. And so God is showing us this is all a lead up. This is why you have to know what side you're on. Going, moving forward, more end time signs. And this one comes from the gospel of Luke, um, Luke's account of the gospel. The, each gospel writer had a different audience, a different people group they were writing to. So that's why you have four gospels. Matthew was writing to Jewish Christians and by extension Jewish unbelievers. Mark was writing, uh, it is believed Mark was writing to a Roman-centered audience, people from Rome that had a very specific uh, perspective and worldview. Even now, uh, even though the world is pretty well connected now, you still have people, groups with different life perspectives. So that's how you can understand it. Mexicans, South Americans, those from the Caribbean, those of us from America, those in Africa, we all have kind of different perspectives and value sets. And so each writer was writing to a different group in that regard and yet making writing to make the message impactful for that people group. And so here, Luke, he's writing to more of a Greek minded audience. And so Luke chapter 21 verses 20 through 22, kind of going hand in hand or not kind of, but going hand in hand with Zechariah 14, it says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that its desolation has come near. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. Those inside the city must leave it, and those who are in the country must not enter it. 
because these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all the things that are written. And so Jesus, yet again, while uh, there are those who will say this was fulfilled when the second Jewish holy temple was destroyed, we know, those of us who are honest about our biblical studies, we know that a prophecy, something that God foretold, that's what a prophecy is, is something that's foretold or something that God speaks about that is previous, previously unknown. We know that a biblical prophecy can have what's called a double fulfillment at the least, a double fulfillment. So it had its immediate fulfillment or more immediate fulfillment. And then it has a long-term fulfillment. So, for example, when Jesus Christ, uh, his family, his stepfather, Joseph, and his mom, when they go down to Egypt at the direction of the Lord through his angel, God calls, calls the family to come back to the land of Judea or Israel. Matthew, in his gospel, he says that that was a fulfillment of what was written in the scriptures that says, I called my son out of Egypt. Well, originally that writing was specifically for the nation of Israel, talking about Israel as a nation, as one of God's children. God talks about collective groups as individuals sometimes. You got to just understand the way Middle Eastern language is and Middle Eastern literature and mindset. And so the original fulfillment was when God brought the nation of Egypt or the nation of Israel out from enslavement to Egypt. And God said, I called my son out of Egypt. But then there was a second fulfillment when Jesus Christ, the only begotten, the only conceived and physically begotten son of God, when God called the family out from Egypt and back into the land of Israel. So there are those who will say this was fulfilled back in AD 70 when Titus destroyed Jerusalem and the Roman armies. But if we're honest about our biblical understanding and study, we will know that there can be a double fulfillment of prophecies. There's still going to be a destruction of Jerusalem. And Jesus himself says, because these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all the things that are written. And like I said, these really deserve their own studies. There's so much within just a few scriptures. Keep going. In Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, and talking about uh, Israel, I wanted to bring this up. I believe I have a video that kind of hits on this as well. But I wanted to break down something about the end times. And when you go back and you read Revelation 12, I have a video for that as well. I try to cover all these different topics so you can gain some understanding. But I break down who the dragon is. In short, the dragon is Lucifer satan the devil just because you're you're not going to get the breakdown in this little small portion but just so you know you can check out that video down below or check it out on my um my youtube page if you're listening in some other version of this and it says when i saw the dragon that he had been thrown to the earth he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child the woman was given two wings of a great eagle so she could fly from the serpent's presence to her place in the wilderness where she was fit for time, for a time, times, and half a time. Now, when you go back and you look at who the woman is, it talks about there's this woman who has a crown of 12 stars, and the sun and the moon are at her feet. And this is a reference to Joseph's dream, uh, the son of Israel. In Genesis chapter 37, Joseph has the same dream, 
and they understand it rightly to be a reference to their family, to Israel as a nation and the legit nation in the future. And so God brings that imagery all the way forward and he he helps us if you know how to properly match everything up. God, he brings that imagery forward so that way we would know. God leaves nothing hidden that he wants us to understand. But the point being here is he gave the woman two wings of a great eagle. When you continue on to chapter 13, you see uh, these four beasts and these beasts or these animals, they are previously referenced in the prophet Daniel's writing in chapter seven. And we are told that each of those nations or each of those animals represents a nation and the leader of that nation. At the time, monarchs, kings, they were the leaders of nations. Of course, in our day, it could be a prime minister, it could be a president or whatever the other offices are. And so in that vision, there is this lion with eagle's wings. The interesting thing is that it says that the wings get separated from the lion. The interesting thing is that the imagery of the lion, the bear, and the four-headed leopard, and this mysterious beast are brought forward to Revelation chapter 13, except in Daniel 7, they were four separate animals. In Revelation 13, they are uh, amalgamated. They are mixed together, different aspects, which is very intentional by God. But the wings of the eagle mentioned in Daniel 7 are not in Daniel 13. They're here in Daniel 12 with the woman. And as I said, each one of these animals represents a nation. Bringing this to Revelation helps us to understand that these nations will be in existence in the end times. People try to have a certain interpretation about what those nations are, but some of those nations are not powerful or they're no longer in existence anymore. But here, when we look at this, the eagle, of course, America is represented by the eagle in America, end time stuff. The bear is represented by Russia. Russia's mascot is the bear. When we talk about a, the leopard, you look at Germany, especially under Nazi uh, Germany, one of their mascots was a leopard or the panzer, the panther, the leopard tanks, things like that. Now, one of our primer, uh, primary jets here in America is the Eagle Fighter for the Air Force. And so here it kind of depicts this unity or this partnership between Israel and the Eagle. And the Eagle helps Israel to get to where it needs to be. And so that's why you see this end time partnership between the United States of America and the nation of Israel. And so with all that, if you are not living for God at the level that God or in full compliance with what God wants you to live for him in, I want to encourage you to to live for God at that level. When we, we have our jobs and we have to comply, if we want to keep our jobs, we have to comply. If we want to be kept safe, if we're on an airline flight, we have to comply with the safety rules. If we want to stay safe while on a ship, we have to comply with the safety rules. If we want to be preserved, kept safe, and delivered for the time that Jesus returns and establishes his government on this earth, we have to comply. We have to be in submission. We submit to our jobs. We submit to our supervisors, our managers, our employers, but we won't submit to God. Why is that? 
because we have fed into all that our societies have fed us. Do what you want. Do what you want. Live how you want. Don't let nobody tell you what to do. Or your job tells you what to do. You know, and you do it because you want to make that money. You got to pay your bills. You got to feed your kids. You do what they tell you to do. Let me tell you, God will provide for you if you will align yourself, if you will get in alignment with God, if you will submit your will to God's will, if you will put, if you allow God to lead you, guide you, direct you, shape you, transform you, mold you, heal your heart. He will give you peace. He will give you joy. He will give you strength. There's so much God wants to do for you. Yes, information is good, but I want you to experience the things God wants you to experience. And so how do we respond? That's kind of what the big thing I want to get to. How do we respond? This is two two examples real quick. I'll try not to elaborate anymore. We're already about to hit an hour on this or close to it. And this is in the book of Acts. This is as Jesus Christ, as the Holy Spirit, he is working through his disciples, his church, his fledgling, his infant church to spread his influence, spread his kingdom throughout the world. And after the Apostle Peter explains this supernatural experience that this unbelieving crowd uh, observed through the believers, through 120 of the believers, people say speaking for tongues isn't for everybody. Well, there was 120 believers, according to Acts chapter 1, and it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost for King James readers. But they were all filled with God's supernatural presence, and they all began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit of God gave them the ability to speak. And so as Peter is breaking this down, he's saying this is happening because you crucified Jesus, the Messiah. You knew who he was because of all the supernatural signs God did. This is why people of God, we need to be prayerful, spirit-filled, consecrated, set apart, dedicated, digging in prayer and fasting and reading his word. And the evidence was there through the supernatural sign of them praying in the spirit of of them speaking in this and in, in the native languages of these Jews that were traveling from all these other countries. And it says when they heard this, they came under deep conviction. They felt convicted. They felt that weight of guilt of man, we're wrong. They're right. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? Repent. Peter told them, turn away from sin, forsake sin, forsake the understanding that this world has given you, forsake the values that that this world has given you, that perhaps your parents or your grandparents, I've had to give up some stuff. I've had to stand against family at times like, no, that's not what God wants. I know what it is. You're not alone. Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized. Baptism is important. Baptism is essential. Jesus told his disciples to baptize. If Jesus said it, we do it. If the apostles did it, we do it. Because the apostles were directly commissioned by Jesus Christ. And be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. This is I love this part right here. It says, for the promise is for you, so that group that they were talking to that was under conviction that that realized how guilty they were for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off as many as the lord our god will call and here was their response and with many other words he testified and strongly urged them saying be saved from this corrupt generation and god is saying be saved 
be kept safe from this corrupt generation. Now, that was a Jewish audience, but the message goes out to all. One more example. Let's finish this. So those who accepted his message were baptized. They were obedient to what he told them to do. Obedience is necessary. We're obedient to our jobs. Let's be obedient to the one who created us. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or the apostles' doctrine, all of it, everything they had to say, to the fellowship, spending time together, coming together as a set or a group of believers, and to the breaking of bread, spending time with each other, and to the prayers. Let's go to a non-Jewish audience. The apostles Barnabas and Paul tore their robes. God had just worked a supernatural miracle amidst these pagan believers. And the pagan believers are all up in arms and like, oh man, the gods, our gods have come down to us. And this was Barnabas and Paul's response. They weren't compromising. They didn't say we will all believe in the same God. This is what they said. The apostles Barnabas and Paul tore their robes when they heard this and rushed into the crowd shouting, men, why are you doing these things? We are men, we're humans. We are men also with the same nature as you. And we are proclaiming good news to you that you should turn. He's, he, they're not saying we believe in the same God. No, turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God. Turn to the one who is real and active and, and wants to interact with you. To the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their own way. Although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and satisfying your hearts with good, with food, sorry, and happiness. So if you want to know more about how to respond to this, I'm going to link a video right here. If you're on YouTube, I will link it down below if you're on another platform. But let me know what you think. And until the next one, God bless you in Jesus name.